Well, welcome to Redeemer. Um, my name is Travis. This is John. We're going to be doing the announcements together. You guys excited about that? Yeah. I'm excited Double about trouble. that. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of announcements for us this morning. First one, on your program, everything will be on your program in a little more detail, but want to let you know of uh, a date coming up. The first full week of June, we are going to be taking our student ministry up to McCall for our summer camp. And what we're going to do is this week we're going to split half and half. Middle schoolers are going to go up for the first half. High schoolers are going to go up for the second half. And that Wednesday of the week is going to be a transi transition day where the middle schoolers come down from McCall. High schoolers go up. We're going to meet and go rafting together. going to be a lot of fun. And uh, just so you know, if you have a fifth grader this year, they will promote into middle school just before camp. So they are eligible to sign up for this camp as soon as those links come out. Links. Links. Multiple. He, his last name's Link. Some of you are like, I don't know, I'm new here. That's not funny. <laughs> it is now, okay? Uh, multiple links over here because your family's <laughs> over there. Um, so anyway, the next announcement is Easter at Redeemer is coming up. And on the top of your program, there's a little tear-off card. If you tear that off, it becomes an, an invite, and it has all the information, whether that is Palm Sunday, Good Friday. We're going to have services here uh, at 6 p.m., Palm Sunday, Good Friday, or even Resurrection Sunday. You can use this to invite someone to church. And statistically speaking, this is one of two times that they will say yes, right? Christmas and Easter, uh, people are more likely to say yes to attending church with you. So be thinking about, be praying about, God, who do you want to place on my heart to invite to Easter this year here at Redeemer? And then uh, next announcement, uh, really quick going through, is Devoted to Serve is coming up on April 2nd. This is an opportunity that we have within Devoted, our women's ministry, to partner with Love, Inc. and put together a few Easter baskets for some families in need. But what I want to do is I want to invite you to two different things. There are two different links. <laughs> I mean, I think he wrote Reach that. Out. There's a script. He made yeah. me say it. Mm -hmm. uh, two different Mandatory. links. One, you can sign up to actually attend and serve within this, ladies, right, women's ministry. But then uh, you can also follow another link on the Church Center app to donate items. And so this is where any of us can get involved. And so just wanted to make you aware of what's coming up on April 2nd for Devoted to Serve. And then also we get to celebrate membership yeah. this morning. What Great does that job. Look like? that, that was a stellar job, <laughs> Travis. I mean, Thank 10 you. out of 10. I do so. announcements yeah. often. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, we would like to take a moment today, we did it during the first service as well, to have a moment where we recognize the new members of our church. So if you just completed the membership round that we did in January and you're in here today, we would love it if you would stand up and come on down to the front. And also, if you did not make it to the first recognition where we had the members that completed the three-week membership class, the last time we had everyone stand up and come to the front, we'd like you to do that now as well. And so, yeah. And so, but this is, uh, this is great. Um, here at Redeemer, we don't place a whole lot of focus and emphasis on numbers because we truly believe and embrace the fact that the Lord will grow his church according to how he sees uh, fit. But, but we do get excited about the fact that we have had 130 individuals uh, take the step of church membership since we launched. And so uh, this has been really cool because essentially they're saying that I'm on board with what the Lord is doing here and they affirm our 12-point our membership uh, commitment as far as what it means to uh, be a member here at Redeemer. And we often say membership here at the church comes down to three things. And so the first thing is that membership is a biblical mandate, okay? Even though we don't see the word 
uh, membership itself in Scripture, we do regularly see this word member. In fact, in Ephesians 2.19, 1 Corinthians 12.12, and Romans 12.5, between those three verses, we actually see the word member six times. And so now, we, maybe one of the reasons we don't see the word membership within Scripture is because when it was written, it wasn't needed. It was already assumed that being a follower of Jesus meant that you were a part of his church. So uh, being a follower of Jesus and not being a part of his church was actually something that was unknown at the time. And so having a relationship with Christ meant that you had a relationship with his church. And so the second point is membership is a commitment. And so we spend our time committing to so many things in this world. But uh, in fact, studies show that church attendance, not that that's the end-all be-all, but studies show that church attendance on average is 1.5 to 1.7 times uh, per month. And so if we commit our time to so many different things in this world, why wouldn't we commit ourselves to the greatest manifestation of the Lord on this earth, his church, his bride, until he returns? And so, so that's really why we want to focus on the fact that membership is a commitment. And then thirdly, membership is a two-way street. And, and what do I mean by that? What do we mean by that? Well, oftentimes when we hear this word membership, some of us have very fond memories of that, what it looked like in the church that maybe we grew up in. And some of us, they, we kind of have a little bit of arm's length uh, apart when it comes to church membership because there's just aspects of like, well, what are they going to ask of me? I mean, are they going to have me, you know, open and close the church every Sunday? Am I going to have to be here 24-7? Are they going to hack my bank account or something like that? And so, so for some, membership could be this thing like, I don't know. Like, what are you going to ask of me? But the reality of it is this. It's a two-way street because there's a responsibility on the church to love, care for, and shepherd its members. As we see from Hebrews 13, 17, it states that elders and pastors are to keep watch over souls as to give an account. And then in Acts 20, 28, it states that they are to care for the church of God. And so oftentimes we think of memberships like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't know, what are they going to ask of me? But oftentimes we have to step into the fact that it is a two-way street. There is a, a role and responsibility of the church to care for your soul. And this is what we're doing as far as membership uh, to say that I am coming under the care of the Lord's church uh, here at Redeemer. And so that's something that we get really excited about because we want to step into the fact that you are known by your church and, and you know your church, that you love your church and are loved by your church. And so that's really membership in a nutshell. Yeah, and if uh, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm interested in membership. God's maybe uh, impressing upon my heart to step toward membership here at Redeemer. I want to let you know that our next membership classes are going to be in the month of April, uh, the 16th, the 23rd, and the 30th. And so you can sign up on your Next Step card down at the bottom, or you can even sign up on the Church Center uh, app as well. But why don't we spend some time just yeah. in prayer. Absolutely. Lord, we're just so thankful for who you are and what you're continuing to do. A drawing individuals closer to you uh, through your church. And, and so, God, we pray that, that that would be the case, that we would just go from one degree of glory to the next, drawing closer and closer to you, Lord, just recognizing uh, all that you continually do for us on a regular basis. God, we just pray over all of these individuals as we know when we take steps of faith in this life that there will be a spiritual uh, attacks. And so, Lord, as you tell us in, in First Peter, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to 
devour. So we pray for protection uh, over your church. We pray for uh, just this uh, aspect that you would guide, uh, direct, and give coverage to all of us as we continue to seek you out. And so, Lord, um, we're just so thankful for what you continue to do. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Let's just go ahead and give a round of applause for our new members. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Well, great to see everyone today and lots of exciting things happening here at Redeemer. If you were here with us last week, we recall that we talked about some real light topics, you know, how to cease from sin through suffering in the flesh, you know, talking about sin, talking about suffering, things that just, uh, you know, are just real feel-good aspects of things. But we arrived at the fact that stepping away from our sin, moving away from our sin in this life of sanctification, as we just prayed, moving from one degree of glory to the next. When we do these things, when we uh, just draw this line in the sand, when we take a stand against, and as we saw from Scripture last week, as we take up arms against our sin, there will be resistance. And oftentimes when we take those steps of faith, there will be a cost. It will come at a cost. And, and that oftentimes is a, a difficult thing that we have to uh, just be there for one another in, in this life as we turn away from our sin, as we cease from sin by suffering in the flesh. But as we saw from last week's passage, this was a type, this is the type of Christian, this is the type of follower of Jesus that the Lord is trying to establish within us through the Apostle Peter. Like, what will happen? When the trials come, will you stand firm in that moment? What will happen when those seasons of tribulation are at hand? Will you wilt and fold or will you stand as an oak tree that grows roots that are deep? What will take place when you have to count the cost? When you have to go through those difficult times, will you have the mindset in the recognition and embrace the fact that the Lord is working all things out for my good and his glory. So two weeks ago, we looked at the, the suffering of Christ as an example, as an encouragement when we are going through difficult times that we could look to him, that he's already gone before us. He's, also, he's already gone through uh, the worst of suffering, and we could look at, to that as an encouragement and as an example of how we are to be in the midst of our own suffering. And last week, we established the solidarity with Christ's sufferings. And just to be able to say that we are able to cease from sin through suffering in the flesh as Christ also did. And this week, where Peter is taking us, he is saying, now that we know those things, now that we embrace those things, here are some practical viewpoints. Here are some uh, practical implications, some ways in which we are to step into this life in Christ um, through the Apostle Peter. So, so let's go ahead and pick up as we look to how we are to live in love in the last of days. So we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, 5 verses, verses 7 through 11. And this is what the Word of God has to say. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each has received a gift. 
Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Lord, as we see from this passage, the end of all things is at hand. Lord, none of us are are guaranteed tomorrow. In addition, your return, your second advent is imminent. Lord, you could come at any hour, any day, uh, as a twinkle of the eye, as we are told in Scripture. So Lord, allow us to live in that mindset. Allow us to love with the fact that our days are indeed numbered. God, show us how to do that today through your written word. God, show us how to just draw closer to you and be more and more faithful in this short time that we have on this earth through your word. Lord, we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, we're probably all familiar with some life is short statements, right? You know, some statements or or platitudes, life is short, play hard, right? Uh, Life is short, live it up. Do everything you can do in in this life. Live as if you were to die tomorrow, right? Uh, It's not the years in your life that matter, but the life in your years that matter, Live each day as it's your last because one day you're going to be right, right? I mean, one day it is going to be your last uh, of days. And and statements such as this really speak into the importance of making your life count. And this in of itself is not a bad thing. In fact, John Piper wrote this book that, you know, it's kind of his magnum opus as far as books. It states, don't waste your life. And and so uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. Make sure this short life that we have in Christ actually accounts for something. It amounts to something in which we uh, are to be able to bring God glory and to be found faithful at the end of this short time that we have in this world. But there is a stark contrast when we have statements such as don't waste your life, life is short versus what the world looks at or through the world's perspective as far as uh, don't waste your life or um, life is short, play hard. So at the end of our life, we have this hope This hope that is found on the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is bedrock as far as what our hope is built upon. But the world's view of what takes place at the end of this life is is minimal at best. It is just a strand of hope. Maybe hoping with the mindset that maybe my, my good outweighs my bad. And so there is a stark contrast when we see these statements such as, um, you know, live it up. Life is short, play hard. And this essentially is Peter's uh, statement. This is his life is short, play hard statement. And, but we see that his motivation behind these words is completely different from what the world's motivation is. Today, in these verses, we're told how to live and, and told how to love as if we're in the end of days, as if the end is near. We could see that Peter starts off with this very profound statement in verse 7. He states, the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things 
is at hand. And so this is our first point. We are to be reminded that the end is near. The end is near. This will get our attention, right? And so our days are numbered. Aren't you glad you came to church today to hear those encouraging words? You might not be here tomorrow. (laughs) And so um, if you're with us during the, the Christmas Advent Season. We, we talked about this at, at length. We talked about what the word Advent actually means. And it is a Greek word for arrival or uh, the Greek word is parousia. And we could arrive at the fact that we are living in the end of days. This history, this uh, dispensation of redemptive history in which we are living between the first arrival, the first advent, the first parousia of Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, his death, crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. And so now we are in these last days before his second arrival, before his second advent, before his second parousia. Because make no mistake that he will come again. He will come again as the righteous judge riding on a a white horse according to the book of Revelation and he will not come back as savior. He will come back as the judge who will judge the living and the dead, vanquish his foes and save those who are eagerly uh, awaiting him. But until that day arrives, we wait. We wait in these Last days, the end of all things is at hand. And many would say, and look at what is taking place in human history, that we indeed are in the last days of the last days. And so, and you could look at just how this, this world is continually degrading. And, you know, what was once looked at as pure evil is commonplace. And, and we just are, are being taken and conformed to be and have to uh, ascribe to things that are just pure evil. And we say to ourselves, Lord, come back. Your, your return can't come soon enough. And so, so the Apostle John, in many places throughout Scripture, we could look uh, at uh, these last of days, these end times. So 1 John 2.18 states this. It states, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. The writer of Hebrews tells us, in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And this day is marked by Christ's return or the end of our life. And so Revelation 3:11, I am coming soon, Jesus Christ states this, Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. I read that verse and I'm like, Jesus is telling us to be Christian hoarders, right? And so, like, you know, we shouldn't be hoarding worldly things, but he's telling us to be uh, hoarders of spiritual eternal things right there. And so, so we could also look to Paul's stay at the church of Thessalonica. And when he wrote First and Second Thessalonians, at the end of First Thessalonians, he was talking about this end times, these end of days. And then at the beginning of Second Thessalonians in chapter 1 and 2, he was speaking of these things as well. So it was indeed a preoccupation. And in fact, the entire New Testament places its focus and emphasis on this as well. 
So one out of every 30 verses in the New Testament and 27 out of the 30 books in the New Testament speak into the events surrounding or the actual events at the end of days. His second coming and the the arrival of judgment. And, And so why do you think, why do we think that it was important? Why was it such a preoccupation for the apostles and for Jesus Christ himself? Why do we see so much on the end of things or these last days? And so, well, the answer to that question is he is, we are being charged and we are being called to be prepared. We are called to be prepared because no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father, according to Matthew 24, 36. But there is no getting around the fact that his Return is indeed imminent. And and what do we mean by the word imminent? Well, it's going to happen. It's not only going to happen, it's going to happen soon. So we have to have this mindset, again, that tomorrow is not guaranteed. Uh, The the Lord could uh, take us home. Or he could return at any time in, in a twinkle of an eye. And so how we are to live our lives In these last days, we are to live our lives faithfully. We are to live our lives expectantly, with urgency, eagerly awaiting his arrival. Because the apostles, they were eagerly awaiting his arrival, not with speculation, but with expectancy. And so John Piper states this. This is our our second John Piper reference. But when a man realizes the nearness of Jesus Christ, he is bound to commit himself to a certain kind of life. If you knew that when you arise tomorrow morning, you would see Jesus face to face in the evening, would it not affect the way you conducted yourself during the day? If we knew that Jesus Christ was coming back, would we live our lives differently in these last 24 hours? And I I think it's a, a premise that many of us think about and have thought about at some point. If, if you uh, grew up in the 90s and were involved in, in church, um, if you're 35 and below, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But, but uh, you know, growing up and being involved in church in the, in the early 90s, they, you know, this thing that was really popular were these human videos. And so they would have like a little vignette or maybe like if someone's laughing and she's like, I know, I know. And so it's like this little vignette of like an end of life scenario. And, you know, persons being on one side of, you know, just still here in, in this terrestrial world and then the other person being in the eternal kingdom. And they're saying, why didn't you tell me? Like, how could you withhold the gospel to me? And here I am in, in hell. And, you know, so th- those types of things. And maybe some in this room were, were saved by something like that. And so, but, but I know that might be a little bit extreme, but the reality of it is, is that in some way, shapes, and forms could, could be true. Like, we can leave here tomorrow, and tomorrow is not guaranteed. Uh, we, we are not guaranteed uh, a long life. The Lord could take us home, and we have to wrestle with the fact that are we currently living a life that is being faithful with expectancy and, and with this urgency that, the Lord could take us home at any moment, or he could return in a twinkle of an eye. 
do we allow this to be a regular preoccupation, a mindset in which we live our lives in this way? Do we wake up in the morning knowing that tomorrow we might be face-to-face with Jesus? And if we had that mindset, would it change the way that we live? Again, I think we regularly may visit that, but do we allow it to be really how we live our life and what we live our life through because it should be a regular reminder because it's a, it was a regular reminder of the apostles and, and, and Jesus himself. And so, so knowing that our days are numbered, knowing that life is short, knowing that Christ's return is imminent, here the apostle Peter gives us four things or four ways in which we are to live our life in these last of days. How we are to live in this world as ex- exiles and how we are to live uh, in the church and outside of the church. And so, so 1 Peter 4, 7 states this, Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, which brings us to our first point. Be of sober and clear mind for the sake of your prayers. And uh, we, we touched on this last week in, in which we are to arm ourselves with this way of thinking, that we are to place emphasis on clarity of thought and sobriety of mind, that we are to be prepared as these things are, are actually needed. If we are in a, a battle, if we are in a, a, a place that we're supposed to be focused and attentive, we have to have be self-controlled and have uh, this sobriety of mind, right? And so uh, we are not to have this uh, laxed um, perception as far as how we are to be navigating uh, through life. And so, so, again, what is the purpose of this? What was going on in the day and what are we to take away? What, what is uh, Peter trying to draw out uh, here? And so, so if we recall from last week, Peter may very well have been talking to the Bacchanalians in which uh, they essentially participated in um, over-the-top drunken festivals to the god Bacchus for the sole purpose to dismiss inhibition so they could participate uh, in egregious sexual immorality. And so that was really what was going on here. And this may be what Peter was talking into. Like, don't do that. Uh, don't get drunk because here's the thing. If, if, you're, if you're blitzed, your, your prayers... <laughs> are not going to be effective, okay? And so, but he's also saying this, maybe this isn't something for us, but maybe we could ask ourselves this question. What are some of the other things in life that we get drunk on? What are some of the other things in life that we have this over-the-top obsession and preoccupation with in our lives that can be all-consuming that we regularly have to revisit because it's vying for the number one place in our lives that was only created to be for our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what could some of those things be? I mean, they could be any number of things, money, possessions, career, social media status, leisure, just mindless, mind-numbing, uh, binging on whatever that the Lord or whatever that the world has uh, for us in this, this world. And all these things can be chalked up to 
idols? What are some of the idols in our life that are constantly trying to vie for our affections to take and usurp that, that place that was only created for you and us as followers of Jesus that is to be a place that Jesus Christ is to hold uh, that, that throne uh, room place in our lives? And so, so what are some of those things that we need to take inventory over? Because our life in Christ is a continual aspect and continual battle of taking inventory over things in our life. We at times in our life should, should pause a little bit and evaluate how are we spending our time? How are we uh, spending our, um, the things that the Lord has gifted us with? Uh, are we doing it wisely? Are we taking this aspect of being self-controlled and sober-minded with our life, this very short life, for the sake of our prayers? Are we creating margins specifically for prayer? Are, are we so consumed with whatever it is that we maybe feel like is so important? Are we carving out the time for prayer? Are, are we carving out the time uh, for uh, it to be in his word, to take up his word? And so are, are we seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so all these things will be added to you? And, and this is one of our pillars of faith here at Redeemer Prayer that is dependent on him. And isn't it amazing to see the Lord answer prayer? I mean, isn't it amazing to be able to see like, hey, we committed this to, to the Lord and he, he showed up in these magnificent ways. It's such a testament and, and a memorial stone to uh, the faithfulness of God. And I know for me, as we grow in our faith, just the impetus to pray becomes so much more pronounced because we've been able to look back and see how the Lord has moved in the past. And that is to give us encouragement to continue to pray, to continue to hold fast to him. Because he who is faithful, uh, he's going to be faithful uh, over the things that are currently in front of us as well. And, and so do we recognize that there is a great power at work behind our prayers. Not that we, not that the Lord is dependent upon us, but when we get to this place where we say, Lord, I've got nothing. I bring nothing to the table. I have 100% utter dependence on you. When we get to that place, that's when God gets to show off his glory because he takes 100% of the glory. We are able to come to the Lord, the omnipotent creator of all the universe, and he hears our prayers and he moves through our prayers and he works wondrous miracles and moves mountains through our prayers. And if we had that mindset, if we have the mindset that we are indeed in the last of days, it would change how we pray. Studies show that the average Christian prays a minute per day. <laughs> now, I, I know that to be the case because there's days in which I forget. Like, I need to be spending intentional, meaningful, deep time in prayer. Not just the shotgun popcorn prayers, but Lord, I am going to commit this time to, to coming before you, uh, to give you praise, to repent, to ask and yield to the things that you have for me today. And so if we have this mindset of indeed, we are living in the end of all things, the last of days, would this actually change how we pray? 
<laughs> because if we think that the Lord could come back tomorrow, I guarantee I would be on my knees in a, a way, manner, and fashion <laughs> that I normally am not. And so may we take that mindset that the Lord's return is imminent, that our days are, are numbered, that we are to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. And, and so, so as a church, let's strive for this. Let's strive to not allow the, the trivial trifles of this world to replace our time with the Lord in prayer. Time with the Lord through taking up his word. And so this is really what Peter is calling us to when he states, Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. The next point is this, love fervently. Love fervently. Now, you may ask, why, why don't we use this word earnestly? And, it, you know, those of you that know me, I, I love the ESV. And some of you might be asking, why do we use the ESV here? And um, I, I would say a couple of things that um, if you've done a little bit of study on church history, well, William Tyndale, who was uh, fluent in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, in which the original manuscripts were written, he, he translated the Bible like some 83, 86% of it into uh, the King James Bible, right? And the, the reason that he had to stop at 83, 86% is because he was executed as a martyr. So when we look at the King James Bible, we could say that this is the closest thing we have to the original manuscripts. And so when we look at versions such as the ESV or the New King James or, or the NASB, these would take word for word and really have the, the closest, translation, closest translation to the King James Bible. Now, that's okay if you have other versions of the Bible. That's completely all right. But um, I'm never going to be quoting a message, uh, something out of the Message Bible. Okay, so just, just know that. <laughs> so, but it's, uh, it's, you know, the question of why are we using the ESV, but I also just kind of want to skew away a little bit today because we see this word loving one another earnestly and the point is to love fervently. Uh, since above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And I would like to land on this word fervently or intensely based on the fact that the Greek word used here is ektenes. Ektenes with ek meaning pulling out of, and uh, tenace coming from the word teno, which is the root uh, for the English word uh, for tension or to stretch, as if you would do uh, with a muscle. Now, being a physical therapist, I don't have a whole lot of it, but I love talking about muscles. And so he's basically saying that we're to stretch and strain our muscles in, in a way that we're to love in the same fashion, that we're to really strive and strain towards loving one another fervently. This is how we are to love one another in the church body. And so, so in addition, this same word, ektenes, is used at another place in God's word. It's, it's used when Jesus Christ was praying fervently and intensely in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was praying so intensely, so fervently that he was sweating drops of blood, hematohydrosis. And, and I, I just would think that this word fervently or intensely better describes in which how we are to love better describes where we are using this word ectenes uh, versus earnestly. And so, so what does this uh, fervency or intense 
uh, love direct us uh, to as far as how we're to love? Well, it, it says that we're to love above all things in this verse. Above all, above all. And, and Peter echoes Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where he states, So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And so I really want us to, to lean in here a little bit. This means that our love for one another, our love for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are to love in a way that takes priority, precedence, preeminence. We are to overlook some small offenses at times. We don't turn a, a blind eye to sin, but oftentimes it means that we are to embrace our brothers' and sisters' faults. That, that we accept them. And why do we accept them? Well, because we all have planks in our own eyes, right? And, and our Lord accepts us and, and he overlooks many things in, in our life. And this same agape, this same unconditional love that the Lord loves us with is the same way that we are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Without reservation, even when some of us are being unlovable, we are still to love. Those who have been married in this room or are married, this is the same way that we are to love our spouse. We are to overlook faults. We are to overlook small offenses and say that I, I love you. And what do we hear at every wedding? After, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast. It usually concludes with this passage, which isn't specific to a wedding, although it's cool to use these verses at a wedding, but in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it states this. Love, it, it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, and it endures all things. So the answer is this. Do we love that way? That's the target. Do we bear one another's burdens with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Do we believe the best in them as far as when difficult times or seasons come about? Do we hope in the same thing? Do we have this solidarity in Jesus Christ where we, we, we have this hope in Jesus Christ and because of that we know that there's an eternity that awaits us so these trials and tribulations and sufferings that we have to endure in this world, we know that there is an eternal hope waiting for us. And then finally, do we endure all things? Do we endure the hardships? Do we come alongside when there are difficult seasons of, of suffering and endure those things with our brothers and sisters in Christ? And, and so what does this practically look like in our passage today? It says, well, love covers a multitude of sins. And there are a few different interpretations of, of this passage. But um, I would land at the following that Peter is actually referring to Proverbs 10.12, where it states this. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. And so practically, we could look at it from this perspective. Who are we in the midst of conflict? Because we've all been in situations where there may, has been, there may have been something wrong that was done to us. Uh, there may uh, be a situation where someone spoke ill or did ill about us or towards us. And oftentimes we find ourselves at a place. We've been talking about this all throughout First 
Peter, where we're told, do not revile when we are being reviled. Do not repay evil for evil. And this is another situation. What does it mean to uh, overlook and, and what does it mean that love covers all offenses, it covers a multitude uh, of sin? And so we can take one or two paths when we feel like we're on the receiving end of something unjust. Uh, we could rant, we could blaspheme, we could revile, we could let everyone know who has an ear to listen to say, do you know what they did to me? Do you know how they wronged me? Or we could say, I'm going to deal with things according to Matthew 18 and say I'm going to go to that person. I, I don't have any need to let everyone know what happened to me, but I'm going to allow love, my love for this person, to cover a multitude of sin. Not, not to overlook or condone sin, but say, hey, I, I know you. maybe this wasn't exactly what you meant, and, and I'm going to trust that you have my best interests. I'm going to trust that God loves me. Therefore, I'm going to allow that same love to cover your faults. Why? Because the Lord knows that I have many faults of my own that need covering as well. And if you're here today and you've been checking out Redeemer and uh, you're looking for the perfect church with perfect people, well, I hate to tell you this, but you're at the wrong place. That whole premise went out the window when you and I walked through these doors this morning. What does it mean, what does it look like to have this type of unconditional, to have this type of agape love for one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to say, I know you, I accept you, and I still love you. I will bear all things I will believe all things, I will hope all things, and I will endure all things. Why? Why do we do that? Well, because that's exactly how the Heavenly Father loves us. And so how are we to say, Lord, you love me unconditionally with this agape love, but I am going to withhold love for my brother and sister in Christ. And so may we find that to be motivation to, to step towards, to resolve instead of just going around the countryside saying this person is this or, or this person is that. And so this is what the Lord is calling us to uh, when he says that love covers a multitude of sin. Uh, where in the Proverbs it says it covers all offenses. And our third point uh, of how we are to live and how we are to love in these last of days is this, is we are to show hospitality with joy. With joy. First Peter 4, 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And so, so not only should we be hospitable with, without grumbling, but it states that we are to be hospitable with great joy. And we should have this attitude of, hey, any friend of Jesus is a friend of mine. Any friend of Jesus is a friend of mine. And this could mean and look like a whole slew of things. And so I, I referenced this first service that, that Brian and Brianna Matangelo were here. And I know it's kind of confusing. His name's Brian. Her name's Brianna. Uh, it took me a couple weeks, but I finally figured it out that they kind of have, you know, similar first names. But uh, their, their house is always open. It's, uh, um, it's kind of like a, we go to walk in there and Jen's like... 
are you going to knock? And like, no. It's like they have seven kids. There's always people living there. There's open door policy. And so, but there's so many in this room that that's the same thing. And just know that, that you are showing off the glory of Christ when you are being hospitable like this. And so we could see this in Acts 2 that all had all things in common, breaking bread in their homes and distributing their proceeds to all, to anyone who is in need. And this is a calling and, and mandate uh, for us as a believer. And, and really landing on uh, this question of how are we doing as far as stewardship is concerned? How are we doing with the fact that the Lord has given us this? What are we to be doing with this? Hebrews 13.2 states, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Now, with that being said, be very mindful of the squatter laws in Idaho, okay? So, I mean, they're a little bit lax. I'm just kidding. I mean, a little bit. But, but you know, and also to say if you're spending time with somebody, like, don't stay for six months. There's a time for everything, okay? Like, you know, it's time to go sometimes, all right? But, but with that being said, uh, how is the Lord moving in our hearts to move uh, away from this attitude of grumbling but instead move towards joy that, that is favorable in, in the Lord's eyes, because the reality of it is this. We can't take anything with us, right? We know that. That at the end of this life, if, if we have so much more, that's just more things that we have to get rid of. Uh, those of you who have read the Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn, you know, he talks about this um, story of uh, he's, they're, they're at the heavenly gates and all these people are just trudging all their stuff up. To, to this place and they're having to get rid of it. And he's like, well, what's everyone doing? He's like, well, I just have a lot more to get rid of uh, than everybody else because I had all this stuff at the end of my life. But what are we doing in this area of stewardship? First um, John three sixteen and 17 states, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And so, so and I just wanted to say a, a big thank you. A, a big thank you to anyone in the room that is hosting a community group. Or, or if you're leading a community group. Or if you're hosting and leading a community group. My community group leaders are, are here in this room. They host and, and lead. And so uh, that's a big thank you. A big thank you that you're making that provision for the sake of biblical community. And praise the Lord, we have 14 community groups and we just launched them in January and so many others that are involved with our devoted women's ministry and our foundry men's ministry. There's been so much great uh, just blessings as far as people stepping into biblical community here uh, at, at Redeemer. And, and finally... Uh, there's another area that we're going to be stepping into and then moving towards as a church. We're still new for many of these things. We, you know, we just planted six months ago, but there's lots of things that are in the works. And one of those things is that we're going to come alongside a ministry called Safe Families. And, and that's a nationwide ministry that focuses on coming alongside families that are in need, that have children. And because of what is taking place in their life, 
um, their children are being placed into the foster care or welfare system. And so what Safe Family does is it steps in and then you could provide short-term respite care for some of these families so they do not have to go into the foster care uh, system. And so that's something that we're going to be stepping into here within the next few months as a church. But maybe the Lord is calling you to step into hospitality from this regard. But there will be many other areas in which the Lord places on our hearts and how we are to step up and be faithful in this area of hospitality because ultimately it's really speaking into the stewardship of what we have. And are we using the blessings that the Lord has given to us? Are we having these Teflon hands to say, Lord, this is yours instead of holding on tightly, but to say, Lord, you have blessed me with much. And so therefore, I will step into uh, whatever it means, whatever you're calling me to, to be hospitable, whatever it means, whatever you're calling me to, uh, to be a good steward of the blessings that you've given us. And so, and then finally, our, our first point or our fourth point as far as how we are to live in love with the mindset, with the preoccupation that the end of days is near. That the end of time is near. And so our fourth one is use our gifts to serve graciously. To serve graciously. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 states this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So each of us has received a gift. Every believer has been given a spiritual gift. And we are expected to use them in some capacity as stewards of God's varied grace. We could look to Romans 12, 5, where we say it's having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Identifying these gifts and stepping into using these gifts for the good of the church, the good of this world that we live in, and the good of the eternal kingdom is a mandate on every believer. We could look to 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, as far as some of these spiritual gifts that the Lord has given to us. Every believer in Christ has been given a, a spiritual gift. And, and really, again, the question is how are we using these gifts for uh, the good of the kingdom? And I would also say this, that there are many in the room that have many talents Many expertise or, or much experience or vocationally blessed in, in certain areas. And they may fall under these spiritual gifts, but they might be some of the things along those lines that you, you have a hard time really materializing them and bringing them under these spiritual gifts. But the Lord also wants to use the, these talents, these areas of expertise or experience for the good of the church and for the good of the kingdom as well. And it's important when we step into some of these things that we we do have the right perspective because oftentimes our, our life in Christ is a, a life in which doors are open and doors are closed. We, we have seasons of our life where the, door, the Lord may be just redirecting and, and pointing us in a different direction or there might be seasons in our life where the Lord has an open door for us and to say, this is what I want you to do. And when you see those open doors, if you've prayed about it and you feel you have peace about it, by all means, walk through those doors. 
But there's going to be some times in your life where maybe it's a little bit cloudy. And don't be, um, don't be afraid to step into some of those things where uh, the Lord is saying, I want you to have an open mind to this. Uh, don't pigeonhole ourselves to say, that's not my thing. That's not my spiritual gift. I don't know if I could do that, but I feel like the stirring, this calling that the Lord may be calling me to do this. Don't be afraid to step into those things because oftentimes I think we all have stories in which the Lord has redirected us, right? That he has us here for a season and then all of a sudden the door opens in this other area and we say to ourselves, I can't believe that I'm here, right? I, I mean, I love to share this story. When my wife and I were uh, first, uh, you know, looking at getting married, I, I wasn't going to church like I should. And she said, hey, if we're going to do this, marriage thing, I, I want you to start going to church with me. And um, I said, okay, I'll go to church, but don't expect me to be one of those usher guys or something like that, right? And the Lord has a sense of humor because what did he do? Six months later, lo and behold, guess what? I was an usher. <laughs> and then about a year after that, guess what? I was a deacon of the ushers. And so you just never know. And so just uh, be careful with some of those things. Keep an open mind to how the Lord may be calling you to step into serving in, in the church and in the Lord's kingdom. And so all that to say, what would Redeemer Church look like if we really took these things into consideration and allowed the Lord's church to be what, what Peter is telling us today? What would it look like if we lived in, and loved with the mindset that the end is near? That our days indeed are numbered, that the Lord could return at any time, that his return is imminent? What would our church look like if we truly embrace that, the fact that our prayers are dependent on him, that, that we are to be self-controlled and sober-minded because our prayers are dependent on that? What would it look like where we have a culture here at the church where we have each other's backs and we love each other fervently in a, in a way, in a fashion, in manner that many of us have never been a, a part of? What would it look like if Redeemer Church established itself as a city set upon a hill that, that shined the light of Christ in hospitality to a dying world and to individuals within our own church? What would it look like if we use the spiritual gifts, the talents, the expertise, and the knowledge, these things that the Lord has given each and every one of us to glorify his kingdom here on earth and for all of eternity? What would that look like? And as, as I was writing this, this message this, this past week, I was writing these words and I just realized that what would the church look like? And then I arrived at the fact that the Lord is already doing this here at Redeemer. And it was, a, it was an amazing special moment for me just to be able to just, just pause and say, wow, God, you are so good. You are doing so many amazing things through this very passage and I didn't even know it. We didn't even know it. Like, Lord, you are moving powerfully. And it's just a, such a cool thing to be able to, to see all the things that the Lord is doing and has done in just a mere six months through these things found in his word here at Redeemer Church that we all get to be a part of as 
living stones, building up the household of God. And it has just been a, a beautiful joy ride here at the church. And he gets all the praise. He gets all the glory. And as we finish this passage, this is exactly what Peter says as well. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for so many things. It's hard to articulate at times. God, may we have this mindset that the end of all things is near. God, may we live like tomorrow is our last day. May we live like the end of all things is near. God, show us what that means. Show us what that looks like in the little things and in the big things, in the little steps of faith and in the big steps of faith. Because, Lord, you use those little steps of faith, those little steps of obedience to prepare us for those giant leaps of faith. And God, whatever you're calling each and every one of us to here in this room, God, it's not by happenstance that you brought us to Redeemer Church. Lord, you are a God of order. You orchestrate amazing things to your own glory. And God, we pray that we as followers of you would tap into some of those things. Would be able to see your mighty hand at work in our midst. And through it all, Lord, may you receive all the glory, all the praise for all of our days. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Please stand with us as we sing this last song.